Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. So, how many of you have ever been on vacation before? Yeah? Some of you? Yeah? <laughs> vacation. Why do people go on vacation, huh? Why? Usually, you hear, usually what happens is you hear this phrase, Oh man, I need a vacation. <laughs> and why is that? Because life is, wow. There's just been a lot going on or difficulties or troubles or just busy, just busy. And you feel like you need to get away from it all. And for some reason, we think that wherever we're going to, we'll be far enough away from where we are now that we'll have that experience of getting away from it all. And you know what I find that that's interesting? That um, if you're going on vacation, you take you with you. So if you're going on vacation, guess what? You go. And so whatever was going on in here when you're in Vancouver is also going to be going on in here when you're over in, like, Madrid or wherever you are because you go with you. And yet we think of this vacation as a place where, now I'm just finally going to get to relax, no stress, I get to enjoy, sometimes vacation, there's family, I get to see family I haven't seen for a long time. And usually we have this, you know, uh, honeymoon perspective of visiting with family sometimes. We only remember the good stuff and then we get there and remember why we moved away when we were young. <laughs> but things like that happen, right? And we, we have different reasons for going on a vacation, but often it's, you want to get away from it all, you want to go to where you can finally have some rest, Finally get to enjoy some things, some things that are different than what you enjoy regularly, you know. So here we have certain kinds of food that we eat, you know, there's, there's different things that we enjoy, sights and, you know, scenery and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you've had family come and visit you here that live in a different place, particularly a different country, you do the tourist thing, right? And you take them around, you show them all the sights, and you... So, oh, yeah, this is, you know, and everything from uh, the, uh, the Lionsgate Bridge and Prospect Point to, you know, Yale Town or maybe you go to the Suspension Bridge or something. You do something like that. You go to a nice restaurant and you do all those sorts of things to show them the best of the place that you're at. So you think if you're going on vacation, you're going to do the same thing. You want to go see the best of a different place. So you're going to see some different sites. You're going to see some different uh, scenery and these are some of the expectations that we have, um, enjoying different kinds of food. The culture may be different, and enjoying that. And these are the different things that we have when we think, I'm going to go on vacation. You know, there's a, there's a place that Shalane and I are going to be going to at the end of uh, February, and it is not a vacation. It is Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it's for a conference. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. I have never been to Albuquerque, 
New Mexico. I have no idea what Albuquerque, New Mexico looks like. You know, just the name New Mexico and Albuquerque makes me think it's something that's left over from a Western movie. And, you know, I half expected, you know, some little town. And, you know, I don't, I have no idea what to expect there. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they have running water, uh, you know, and private bathrooms and not outhouses and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they have those sorts of things there. It's, a, it's in the middle of America, so they, they I'm sure it's civilized. I'm not going to find, I'm not going to be, you know, cooking my meals outside over a fire. Uh, so there are certain expectations, but I really have no idea of what Albuquerque is like. So I have this destination of where I'm, I'm going, but I have no idea of what it's going to be like when I get there. So as Christians, where are we going? Heaven, eventually. How many have been there before and can share some pictures with us and put them up on the screen? Your favorite travel video from heaven. Anybody? Nobody. Haven't been there. And yet, who's excited about going? Excited about going? I sure hope so. Sometimes that's the only thing that keeps us holding on from day to day. Some may experience that. And if I can just make it to heaven, everything will be all right when I get there. Hopefully, one day, you just, you know, sometimes, exactly, some of the same people may also be thinking that they hope that their ticket's good when they get there. <laughs> it wasn't a limited time offer or something like that. And, well, in one respect, it is a limited time offer. You can, only, you can only purchase it while you're here on earth. After that, I'm sorry. But we know very little about this wonderful place that we all expect to go to. You know, we, we, we have some ideas, like I do about Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right? Um, I have some ideas. I know that I'm not going to be, you know, staying in a grass hut. Um, I know that. Right? But I don't know where, I, where what the hotel is going to look like. So I have some idea of what to expect. But I really, I've never been there. I've never seen travel videos on Albuquerque. Who, who has seen travel videos on Albuquerque, New Mexico? I don't think they exist. I don't know. But we, we, don't, we don't really know. So in the same kind of a way, who here has a very accurate and detailed view and understanding of what to expect in heaven? We hear things like streets of gold. We have some general expectations. Just kind of like how you have general expectations when you, when you go on vacation. You expect to find some rest there. You know? And if you're one of those people that likes to plan their vacation and have three or four of them planned out throughout the year and you have them planned four or five years in advance, then you have a certain expectation. And usually it's, when I get there, then I can really just put my feet up and relax and enjoy. And similarly, we think about heaven that way. This life, you know, wow. But when I get to heaven, I can put my feet up and relax and enjoy. And we have these general ideas of what heaven is like. Am I the only one? No? Now, there have been some who have actually been there. There have been some. 
who have gone there and have been able to come back and tell us. Usually people, when they go there, they don't come back. Exactly. They don't want to come back. There is something, even when you're doing your best in this world, there's still, there's still a heaviness about it. There's still a darkness about it. That when you get to heaven, none of that exists. There's freedom there like you can't express here. And yet, and yet, we are going there. And we're all excited about it. And yet you have no idea what it's going to be like when you get there. But you're excited. Well, at least some of you are excited. Well, (laughs) praise the Lord. At least you will be when you get there. All right. Revelation. Let's turn in our Bibles. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to see what the Bible says about heaven. Hallelujah. Revelation. And we're going to do a two-part study on the book of Revelation. No, we're not. (laughs) Revelation chapter 21, please. Verse 1. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. Yes, Amplified Classic. Revelation 21, verse 1 says this. Now, just a little background before we get started. Uh, What's being told here is from John the Apostle. And it starts out at the very beginning, which we won't turn to right now. And he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he begins to see some things. God begins to show him some things. God begins to show him his world, the world that he lives in. And he begins to see some things about what's going to happen and what's going to take place. And so we get all the way to the end of the book here. This is the end of, you know, the last few chapters of the the revelation that he received from Jesus Christ. And it's the end of things. So in Revelations chapter 21, verse 1, um, it begins with, Then I saw a new sky and a new earth. For the former sky and former earth had passed away, and there, and there no longer existed any sea. And if you read just a little bit above that, you can see that the, what he's seeing here is after all of sin and death and the devil and all of that is forever dealt with. You can see it all ends up in the lake of fire. So there's no more devil. Aren't you looking forward to that day? No more temptation. No more evil. Gone. Lake of fire, gone. The lake of fire is not some place you go and visit. It's it's gone. You're not going there. Amen? The Bible calls that the second death, the lake of fire. So all of that is gone, is dealt with. Forever. And then we get to this verse. Then I saw a new sky and a new earth, for the former sky and the former earth had passed away. That's the creation as we know it right now. All of that, gone, passed away. But instead of the old creation, we get a new one, 
a brand new sky, a brand new earth. Hallelujah. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, all arrayed like a bride, beautified and adorned for her husband. Then I heard a mighty voice from the throne, and I perceived its distinct words saying, See, the abode of God is with men, and he will live among them, and they shall be his people, and he shall personally be with them and be their God. Praise the Lord. That's pretty awesome, hey? Let's keep reading. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be anguish, nor grief, nor pain anymore. For the old conditions and the former order of things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, See, I make all things new. Also, he said, record this, for these things are faithful and are true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without price from the fountain of the water of life. He who is victorious shall inherit all these things. And I will be God to him, and he shall be my son. Hallelujah. So when we start talking about what is heaven going to be like, we are getting the description of that here. Notice he said, Behold, I saw the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven. And God is making his dwelling with men. Hallelujah. You know, in the Old Testament, we saw a little of what happens when God dwells with men. And what would happen is if anyone entered into his presence and they were not at least ceremonial, ceremonially clean, they died instantly. Anytime sin got anywhere near the presence of God, it was immediately evaporated. It, it was disintegrated. It was gone. No more. Because of the holy, pure presence of our great God. But you see, it is His design. It is His eternal purpose to dwell with mankind. That has been His goal from the very beginning. Before He created the heavens and the earth. That was His purpose. That was his great purpose. You think, why am I here? You're here so you get to hang out with God for all of eternity and enjoy him and who he is and all that he does. You are there and here to be the object of his affection. 
where he can pour out his great love upon you in all the wonderful ways which only he can do. That is your purpose. That is his purpose for you. That is his design for your life. And he knew of you before he started the whole thing. Before the foundation of the world, he knew you. He foresaw you. Here today, he knew of you in your life. And he selected you. And he chose you. And he said, you will be my son. You will be my daughter. You will be mine. And I will pour out my affection upon you. When he created the heavens and the earth originally, he did it for his man. It was not just so he could look at the heavens and the earth and go, wow, this is great. This is wonderful. It was for the abode, the dwelling place of his, his man, Adam and Eve, and all of mankind that would come from them. That was his purpose in creating the heavens and the earth, is a place for them. But he reserved Adam and Eve and all of mankind as his dwelling place for all of eternity. That was his purpose. You know, David wrote a psalm. I think it was David. It could have been another. Talking about, and it was from the perspective of the Lord. The Lord was saying, what can you build for me? What home can you build for me? I rule in heaven and the earth is my footstool. What, what kind of a house are you going to build for me? And the, the intention of man, of David particularly, was good. You know, David goes to his palace, goes to his palace and enjoys all the luxuries of the land. And then he looks out his window, and there's the tent over there, and God's in a box in the tent. And he says, this ain't right. This is not right. God of the universe is dwelling in a box in a tent, and here I am in my castle, in my kingdom, and there's God over there. Beware that your life isn't like that. And his desire was, no, this is not right. I will build a place for God. And of course, what can you do? You're talking about the creator of the universe. What can you do? The only place that is fit for God to dwell in is a place that only his hands can make. And that is you and I. We are the only place that's fit for him to dwell a place that his hands have made. In Ephesians 2.22, you will see that we, the church, have been built together to be the abode of God Almighty. And he dwells in us by his spirit. Hallelujah. That is his purpose. We are that new Jerusalem, praise God. We read these things here and we think of them far off and away somewhere. Way over there, one day. And yet the reality of it we get to experience in part here and now. Not its fullness. It's not in its fullness because you can look out your window and see all the crazy going on out there. And hopefully none of that crazy is going on in here. But you can look out your window and say, whoa, craziness out there. And there will come a time when that will be no more. You will look out your window and you will not see crazy anymore. 
The world shall be the home of righteousness. Everything will be right and in its right place, and you will enjoy that. Hallelujah. I heard one minister talk about it this way. We really don't have much of a mental grasp on what that would be like because we talk, there's a, a thing that you see in, in, uh, in uh, Genesis when it talks about the curse of the thorn, the thorn curse. Instead of the ground just yielding its fruit of its own, you've got to work it, and there's thorns and brambles that get in your way, and the earth produces those things that are harmful instead of producing life the way it was originally intended. He said, but in Jesus, that thorn curse is removed. Well, you think about that. In heaven, you can run through the field as fast as you want in your bare feet and not stub your toe. <laughs> not step on a sharp, pointy bramble and poke your foot. You think, wow, that's something to look forward to. That's a little thing to look forward to. But there is nothing to harm you. Nothing to get in your way. Nothing that will cause you any sort of grievance or inflict pain on you in any way. It does not exist in God's world. It does not exist in the place where Jesus is Lord, where Jesus is King. Brambles and thorns do not exist there. Hallelujah. They do not exist in that place. No pain, no sorrow, no death, no torment. They do not exist in God's world. The place where God is God and Jesus rules, there's peace, there's righteousness, there's joy in the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. That's where it is. And He has designed what is like, what heaven is like, which is His home to come and dwell with men and to make men His dwelling place where the very atmosphere of heaven lives in His people. It's not just a place we go to when we die. And thank God, this is over. We get to go to heaven when we die. No, no. We get to partake of His eternal purpose here and now. Because the same Holy Ghost, the same one that makes heaven heaven, has come to live in our hearts. That same one lives on the inside of His people. Those that are born of God have the Holy Ghost and have Him living in there, inside. You know, when you move into a home, well, actually not me so much. When I moved into the house that I'm in now, I, it took me a while to personalize my home. I know others are not like that. There's others, as soon as they look at the house, they're already thinking, oh, I'm going to buy this house, and I'm going to make it look like this. And they've got furniture picked out. They've got wall colors picked out. They've got carpet picked out. They've got, you know, well, I think what we're going to do with the kitchen. They've they're already got everything mapped out of how they're going to take someone else's house, and they're going to make it their home by personalizing it the way that I like it. I don't like the chair over there. I'm going to put the chair over there, you know. Put the TV here. Well, then the light shines in from the window, and I can't see it. Let's move the TV over. All sorts of things to personalize it just the way that you like it. It took me a while to do that. <laughs> I had green, lime green kitchen for a while. Lime green. Now, some people 
in other countries would look at that and they go, lime green is awesome. You walk into their house, it's lime green, it's blue, it's yellow, and, and they love it. Not me so much, but <laughs> other people love lime green. And they come into my house, if they were to come into my house, they'd be like, wow, you've got lime green in your kitchen, this is awesome. And I'd be like, what? Right? But it's personalized to what they like. What do you think God likes? Well, I, I can assure you he doesn't like sickness. I can assure you he doesn't like grief and sorrow. I can assure you he doesn't like pain and affliction. He doesn't like torment. He doesn't like fear. And how do you know that? Because there's none of that where he lives. None of it where he lives. It doesn't exist there. I think that's why Jesus prayed the way that he did. Our Father, who is in heaven, your name is awesome. Your name is holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what? You're that earth. And your environment around you is just a reflection of what's on the inside of you. Because where you go, you make it your place. Well, God wants to come in here and make this his place. Hallelujah. He wants to make you his place. If you've received Jesus as your Lord, it's already begun. The, the work has already been started. Let's read a little bit further here. Back to verse 4. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be anguish, nor grief, nor pain anymore. For the old conditions and the former things, the former order of things have passed away. Oh, hallelujah. Now, this is not just, although the fullness of this is yet to come, we can partake of this here and now. Turn with me just for a moment. Keep your finger here because we'll come back. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says this. Therefore, if any person is in Christ. Do we have anybody in Christ in the building today? Amen. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Keep reading. The old has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. The old has passed. Is this verse true? God's not just kind of teasing with this, right? It's not a, well, it could be. If any man is in Christ, are you in Christ? Then this is true. 
If it's true that you're in Christ, then this is also true. Are you in Christ? Then the old is gone and the new has come. Hallelujah. And all things, all the new things are of God. The old is gone. Your old spiritual condition has passed away. Just like what we are reading in Revelation. The sky, the earth as we know it, polluted by sin here and now. Infected and infested with the enemy. And all that vileness that goes on. He's dealt with that. He's driven that out. It's passed away. And you partake of that in Christ Jesus now. Because the old has gone and the new has come. In the new, there is no shadow of the old. It's not a mixed bag. The new creation that you are in Christ is incorruptible. It's not mixed with all your old habits. The thing is, in this world, we tend to live in both. On one side of the line, then back on this side of the line. One side of the line, then back on this side of the line. Because we are learning how to overcome. So, we're doing pretty good because we're in church and we're singing great songs and you can start to sense the presence of God and something within you is responding to Him. And things are great and you're pumped up. You've heard a good, heard a good word. You're excited. And then you get out there and then Monday you got to deal with life again. And your flesh says, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I don't want to have to go to work. My boss is blah, 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 this and that. Things that you shouldn't be thinking or saying. <laughs> so on and so forth. And... You know, and then you think about the bill that's coming, and you spend too much on your credit card, and so on and so forth, and, and all of those things. Christmas is coming, and i got to invite family over, and who do I want, and who do I not want, but I have to have over anyway, and all those sorts of things. And you think about that, and you step over into the old for a minute, and you get a little bit cranky, and maybe grumble and complain a little bit while you're at it, and, and then all of a sudden you feel kind of bad about that because your heart convicts you. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't talk like that. And then you get back over here, Lord, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's not who you made me to be. That's not who you made me to be. I'm not a grumbler. I'm not a complainer. I'm not a fault finder. You didn't make me that way. That's the old that's passed away. That is the old, it's passed away. That's not me. I am the new creation in Christ Jesus. Does God complain? Did he grumble and complain like the Israelites? Did he grumble and complain at the Israelites when they were grumbling and complaining about him? Why am I in this desert? Manna, 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 manna. Can't even get any meat out here. I just get manna all the time. Manna in the morning, manna in the afternoon, manna in the evening. Manna, manna, manna. It would be nice to have some meat. At least in, back in Egypt, manna, we had some, you know, leeks and onions and potatoes and some variety. Here we just have manna, manna, manna. And grumbled and complained, and grumbled and complained, grumbled and complained. And God said, yeah. And there you are, grumbling and complaining, and grumbling and complaining. And he grumbled and complained about them, grumbling and complaining. Because he was just fed up with how much grumbling. It just, the, it reached his ears, and he got so upset with them, grumbling and complaining. All you do is grumble and complain, grumble and complain. This people, I tell you. You bring them, you do something good for them, and look what they do. 
ungrateful. Bring them out of Egypt out of slavery, and what do they want to do? They want to go back to slavery again because they think that you can't feed them. And he grumbles and complains. Grumbles, but people can't even believe in me. All I told them was I'll feed them from heaven. They're, and they can't even believe that. They've got to gather more than they're supposed to and hold on for a second day because they can't trust me. And what's wrong with these people? Moses, you just take them. I don't even want them anymore. But God doesn't do that because he's not like us. But here's the thing. The new creation that he made you to be in Christ Jesus is not like any of that either. It's like him. It's like him. It's just like he is. He doesn't grumble and complain. And you can say with all boldness, I am not a grumbler nor a complainer. In Christ Jesus. That's who he made me to be. The old is gone. The new has come. And the new is of God. Hallelujah. And he doesn't make junk. He doesn't make stuff that holds up for three weeks that falls apart when you need it the most. Right? New creation in Christ Jesus. So you can partake of this truth... And participate in your glorious future. We have a wonderful future to look forward to. We have a glorious future that is ours. And we didn't do a single thing to get it except receive it through Jesus Christ by believing in him. We didn't do anything to earn it. But we have a wonderful inheritance. We have a great, wonderful thing to look forward to. However... In this life, how much of that you taste here and now is dependent on you? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience the love of God in your life. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven to have no more sorrow and no more pain and no more trouble and difficulty as far as anxiousness and anxiety and all that kind of stuff and be troubled in your soul. You don't have to have that. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you anymore. Don't take ownership of it, my pain, my sorrow. It's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. Quit trying to take what's not yours and receive what Jesus gave you instead. How about that? Hallelujah. But we can partake Are you born again? Are you born from above? Hallelujah. Then you can partake of him, his nature. Does he get upset and and freak out and throw a temper tantrum because he didn't get his way? Neither should we. There's lots to talk about there. Lots to talk about. We'll try not to nitpick today. We'll just, just leave it at that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we laugh because we can relate. Yeah. We've at least been there once. <laughs> Some of us had set up camp there and built houses for ourselves there. And... Hallelujah. But it is a glorious truth that we have in front of us here. 
that the very place that we expect to go to, that we're really not sure a whole lot of what it's supposed to be like. We have some vague idea. But that very thing, the atmosphere of heaven, he's deposited within every believer. He himself has come to live in here and make some changes in our lives. We can partake of heaven, the spirit of heaven here and now. You know what makes heaven heaven? God is there. But he's also living in here by his spirit, the spirit of God. So he would like to make this his place. His place where his nature and his character and the things he likes find full expression in our lives. Full expression. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just looking at the time because there is more to see, but I don't think we're going to get to it today. No, not nitpicking. Don't worry. I'm not, not going to nitpick. It was on my heart to share this with you because quite often as Christians, we don't know the value of what it is that we have. You know, the treasure remains buried in the field. The pearl of great price remains on the stand and then no one has bothered to notice it. A lot of what it is that God has done for us and we have very little concept of that because we just tend to think of the salvation part. Save me out of trouble. Save me out of distress. Save me out of sickness. Save me out of... And then later on when I get to heaven, everything will be okay. But he said, he who overcomes will be my son. And you know how you do that? You simply believe in him. You put your confidence in him. That's it. That's, that's how you got born again. We're made his son. And that's how you live as one. By putting that same confidence in him that you did at first. Confidence to change your life. Confidence to work in you. You know, it's not a matter of fixing your old self. Christianity is not renovation, fixing your old self. It's not about trying to make good that which was corrupted. No, it's corrupted. We're not trying to make it good now. The experience in the world is that. The experience of the world is both good and evil mixed together. And that's what man wanted, the knowledge of good and evil. He wanted to know what it's like to, for both good and evil. And so it's been a mixed bag for mankind ever since. Because he'd entered in through disobedience. And all the, t- all the while, the tree of life is right there in the garden. As Christians, sometimes we think that Christianity is about getting rid of the bad and increasing the good. But you know the world does exactly the same thing? They want to get rid of the negative effects and still want to do what they want to do on the weekend and not have to pay the price. You know what I'm saying. I'm going to live whatever way they can, enjoy things, what they consider to be good, whatever that may be, but not have to pay the penalty, not have to have bad. You know? And then we think as Christians sometimes that that's what Christianity is about. Well, we want to, you know, we just, we want to 
get rid of the bad and just have some good things in our lives and mitigate the bad and increase the good. But that's still eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree in Christ has been burned down, chopped down. The, uh, the axe is at the root, ready to chop it down. When you get born again, down that tree comes. And instead, there is a new tree that is growing on the inside of you. It is the tree of life, praise God. Christianity is about partaking of the tree of life, life in Christ. It's not about fixing the old you. It's about the new you that is in Christ Jesus and partaking of him. That's what it's about. And that's for every single one of us. So quit trying to fix everything. And instead, let's get to know him who is life. Let's partake of what he has given us. And it's a lot easier than we make it out to be. How difficult was it for you to get born again? It was really not hard. You just had to make one decision. You made one choice. This is either true or it's not. This is either what I want from my life or it isn't. Sometimes it felt like a big sacrifice until you got through on the other side and you realize, wait a minute, this was everything I was looking for anyway. It's that same decision played out in your life over and over. I don't want the world and all of its junk. I don't want sin. I don't want to go my own way and do my own thing. I want his way and his life and what he has for me instead. It's one decision that you get to demonstrate here and now over and over. One decision. I've chosen to follow him. I've chosen to go his way. I've chosen to obey him. I've chosen to live in him. That's what I've chosen to do. And he's the one that makes everything new and fresh in your life. He's the one that drives out the old junk. He's the one that does it. Not you. It's him. So, have you made that decision before? I would assume so because you're here in church. But it's that same decision when you get up in the morning. It's that same decision at night. No, I've chosen. I have chosen. I am a new creation. The old's gone. And I've chosen him. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at